Morning, everybody. Hope you had a great celebration of Jesus, our Messiah, um, over the last week. And some of you are probably going to be celebrating today and um, maybe the next week. And so we hope that and trust that you just experienced a great time and, uh, with the presence of God in your family. And so, um, so good to be together, um, always is, with the body of Christ. I'd like to read a couple verses out of uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to talk about something incredibly important uh, in all of our Christian lives. As a matter of fact, there's not anybody in here um, who's going to escape <laughs> uh, the point of this message. Um, and it's so relevant to all of us. 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to read verse 9 through 12. But it's written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the, the things freely given to us by God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, these, are, these are rich verses. The promise we have of your Holy Spirit in our life and that this Spirit searches truths of God and illuminates us to understand them is mind-boggling. And Yet that's the work of your Spirit in our lives, and we celebrate that, God, and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue to search us and know us, reveal to us and change us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this passage, Paul's speaking of Christ being proclaimed and being crucified and in the plan of God, which the world doesn't understand. And, and then he launches into this, this discussion about the wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And I, I really like some of the things he says because he ties in the Spirit's work with the fact that we have the Spirit of God within us. I believe he gives us a hint of what God has in mind by these words, depths, or deep. You see, deep is the dwelling place of God. It's where the heart of God is. Deep is like the character of the ocean. When you get down under the ocean, there's no noise, trashy surface, of the water gets quiet and serene. But doesn't it seem like most times, most Christians spend their lives being whipped tumultuously through the surface circumstances of their lives? Yet those who go down deeper discover true peace. You see, deep is the gift of discipline. And prayer is the doorway to the depths. What is prayer? Well, before I go into this, I anticipated some thoughts that you might have. One is, oh great, my prayer life stinks. I don't want to hear about this. Oh, you know, I've done that as a kid. Um, I, don't want to, I don't want to feel guilted. I have, a hard, I have a busy schedule. It's hard to spend time in prayer, and, and, and so I guess I'm just going to check out. Don't do that. Don't check out. Um, this is, is more of an invitation to you, to a different way of life. A new and exciting way of life. And so, simply, prayer is a conversation we have with God. Nothing tricky. Simple. 
Prayer is the conversation we have with God. But as in any conversation, sometimes we communicate what's in our heart with great articulation. Sometimes we communicate what's in our heart with only a handful of childish expressions. (laughs) Other times we just grope for words. We're just not quite sure what to say. But the expression of our longing is not as important as the longing itself. For prayer is nothing more than the soul's longing for God. We've celebrated and do celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, and what a beautiful thought as we think about prayer. God with us. When you bow in prayer, it's not just some random, fickle thing you're doing. You're bowing before God who promises, I'm there. And I'm there to give a greater grace. And so we talk about prayer, it's communicating with God. And prayer is the most intimate thing a human being can do with God, is prayer. It's the most intimate thing. So if you want to grow in your intimacy with God, this thing called prayer is crucial. Because our soul really longs for God. It really does. Let me read a couple psalms here. Psalm 42, 1 through 8. I want you to, I want you to grasp the longing. Maybe you're going to think of times in your prayer where your words were similar. Maybe not as articulate as this, but Psalm 42, 1 through 8. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are, you, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Hear the longing? It's almost like a schizophrenic, isn't it, though? I mean, he's up here, he's down here, he's, he's everywhere, in, this, in just eight verses, he's all over the place. Isn't that really kind of like prayer, if you think about it? times we're all over the place we come happy one day and confused the next and and sometimes our, our prayers are full of questions and sometimes we're like i don't not sure i want to go to prayer because there's some stuff i need to deal with i'd rather not and so we're like well if i just ignore god i don't have to deal with these things but w- what is it that part of us that really is drawn to prayer well we understand again it's the most intimate communion we can have with god our longing tells us that we're revitalized. You see, prayer restores. It re-energizes us. I've seen numerous corporate prayer meetings and just meetings transformed because of prayer. It revitalized, it restored, it brought a different dynamic into the meeting and the gathering. And, and this is probably the greatest thing. Our dependence transfers from our muscles to God's muscles. And that's a necessary transfer. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. I want you to notice and pick up the longing and then the transfer. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I. 
for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Oh, we must make this transfer. This transfer of dependence. And if if, if we go to prayer and there's not that taking place, we better stay there. It's such a necessary transfer. But let's be honest, what, what really hinders us from this type of prayer? We, you know, our longing draws us, and that, that, that sense of neediness draws us. But what hinders it? Well, none of these are surprising, but self-reliance for sure. Because we're told you can do it. You got it within you. So roll up your sleeves and do it. God's your last, rec- your last resort. He's your last card you're going to play in a pickle. That's pride and self-sufficiency at work. And perhaps that's the greatest barrier to intimacy with God is our self-sufficiency. Maybe it's not self-reliance, but maybe deep down in the core of your being, you're not sure God is able to pull it off. The prayer seems too big, the circumstances seem too difficult, the hole seems too deep. Let me ask you, do you believe God can come through? Not, not up here, but deep in your spirit, do you approach him with that faith and belief that God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. You're somehow going to pull us off, and you're going to give me a front row seat to watch it happen. And, and, and that's the excitement of prayer. God allows us to be a part of what he's doing. And let me ask you it this way. If you could ask God or R for a miracle in your life, what would your request be? What would it look like? Do you regularly ask God? If not, why not? We need to learn to pray big prayers. Pace of life for sure, right? Busy schedule, that crowds out prayer. Irony is we're more filled our lives with things that we're less fulfilled in life. Maybe prayer becomes an accessory to your life. Something you just kind of carry along and every now and then you reach into the bag and pray. Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what Christians do, right? But we've been duped into trading the greater for the lesser. And prayer is not about seeking answers, about seeking stuff. It's about seeking God. And if you flip-flop it and like, oh, I'm just going to pray to God when I need stuff, you've missed it. Prayer is our most intimate communion with God. It's first of all about seeking God. But I really want to address two components here that are crucial to us experiencing greater intimacy and in a sense they're, they're the invitation by God to a deeper prayer life. And they're not rocket science but they're incredibly important. One is meditation. It's, it takes us to a real deepening prayer. There's two verses that are going to be on a screen together and they're going to be on a screen together for a reason. Psalm 5.1, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. And then Psalm 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If you look at the screen, look at the word groaning and look at the word meditation, they're the same Hebrew word. Isn't that interesting? Groaning and meditation. 
We think of meditation as sitting quiet, almost maybe New Age-ish. You know, we, we maybe have bad connotations with it. But groanings, we're like, what on earth? Where does that fit into the whole deal? And, and, and what the psalmist is saying, what the scriptures are saying, is that when we meditate, there is coming from that groanings. In other words, there's a response to what we're meditating upon. And groanings in this case, in a sense, are deeper reflections of meditation. And so if there's three, I guess, aspects of meditation I'd leave you with regarding the Word of God and the ways of God, they're this. One is read the moment. As you approach Scripture, read the moment. Use your eyes to see, not just what's on the surface, but what's underneath. Read the moment when it comes to the ways of God, circumstances you're in. Use your eyes to see what's below the surface of them and below the circumstances, what's there. But we need to go more than just read the moment, we need to reflect on the moment. We need to engage the mind to see what's below the surface. This is perhaps one of the greatest values of journalizing or every now and then just writing down what you're thinking about or what you're seeing it helps you process it helps you meditate and helps you reflect on it more but it's not even really enough to read the moment or reflect on the moment you need to respond to it what's God saying to you what what's what's he trying to get your attention with it's giving what we've seen a place in our heart allowing it to grow there and what's the result of reading the moment, reflecting on the moment, responding to the moment? Prayer. It leads us to deeper prayer. And in any relationship, it's the depth of the relationship that determines the depth of our conversations within that relationship. You know, you have a conversation with someone in a grocery, line, grocery store line is much different than conversations you have with a very close friend. It's because... It's the depth of the relationship that determines the depth of the conversations. So if you want to grow in your relationship with God, grow in your conversations with God. They go hand in hand. This is really the truth of our friendship with Jesus. Our level of intimacy within that relationship determines the depth of our conversations, both from us to him and from him to us. Meditation is really the soul's seeking deeper intimacy. But there's a second component that's incredibly necessary. And, I, and I've, I would venture to think we almost think of this one as something every now and then. It's necessary every now and then. And it's the issue of confession. You see, the greatest hindrance to growing intimacy with God, it's not a shock, it's sin, right? It's the greatest hindrance. Yet the greatest avenue to deep communion with God would be the confession of that greatest barrier, sin. Confession. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word confession. Maybe you think of back room interrogations. <laughs> Jason Bourne being tortured to reveal deep secrets. Confess. Give it up. Or maybe being in a room talking through a window to another guy hoping he can read, be read between the lines. I don't know what you think of when you hear confession. But confession is not telling God something he does not know. I and mean, when you confess, God's not, oh my goodness, that's horrible. 
what are you, I didn't know you were doing that. I mean, God's not like that. You see, God knows it already. And so confession's not telling him something he doesn't know. That's, that's impossible to do. Confession's not blaming someone else. Maybe you've done this. Yeah, I know I got angry, but he ticks me off, she ticks me off, kids didn't do this. And, and you've got all kinds of people to blame. It's not confession. It's not complaining or whining. That's not confession. My circumstances were just different. I wouldn't have this problem. That's not confession. Confession is, the word means to agree with, confession is coming clean with God. I mean, at the most simplest level, coming clean with God. It's a radical dependence upon God and his grace. It's a belief that God's grace is not only sufficient to forgive us, but to change us. We forget that part of it. You see, to not confess is to live with the weight of sin. God doesn't want you to experience weight of sin. Who the Son has set free, he's set free indeed. He's created you and saved you and redeemed you and delivered you so you could live a life free and abundant. And to miss out on experiencing a greater grace when we don't confess. There's a man in China, Li Fu Wan, and he was battling extreme headaches throbbing headaches and he had tried every treatment he could find and think of finally an x-ray revealed the culprit it turns out he had a rusty four-inch blade stuck in his head you see he had been attacked and um by a thief and he thought it was a broken jaw as he was struck in the uh, the side of the head but what had happened is the handle of the blade broke off and he didn't even know he had a a four-inch blade in his head until he was told hey, uh, we think we found the reason for it, uh, to say the least. And uh, no wonder he was in pain. He had lived with this blade in his head for four years. You know, we can't live with foreign objects in our bodies or in our souls. And let me ask you, if an x-ray of your interior was taken, what would it reveal? What's lodged deep within your heart that no one sees? What a dangerous prayer, but what a healthy prayer the psalmist said. Search me, O God, and know me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Not some, not a couple, not not all of them, but this one. See if there's any wicked way in me. Maybe you have regrets as a teenager. Choices you've made. Shame at temptation you've succumbed to. And sin can even lie below the surface undetected at times, and it takes the spirit who searches all things to surface it. It's so deep sometimes we don't even know it there. But confession extracts that which hinders you. Confession extracts that which is foreign within you. That's not compatible with being a Christian. The old self suppresses sin. It buries it in a cellar with all the other sins. But not the new self. Not the new creation in Christ. That exposes that to God. It's the way to deal with sin is not to hide it, but to deal with it, to come clean with God. Sometimes sin's been undealt with for years. Maybe you look back and you've created more pain than peace in your life. You might need to, even more than this morning, take a walk with God and just let it, lay it all out. Have a, have a conversation with Him and just, just share it all. And so maybe this morning is kind of just going to be a, a precursor to some more confession in your life. It's not that you're not saved. Understand that. I mean, if we confess, it's not that you're not saved. It's just you're not whole. God wants you to have a whole heart. 
I came across this quote I had written down. God wants you to have a whole heart, and he wants your heart to be whole. And when we live with unconfessed sin, we don't have a whole heart. It's divided. And when you have a divided heart, guess what? You're unhealthy. There's sin. There's going to be guilt. God doesn't want you to live like that. Confession is the key to our relationship with God. And to our prayers, to our meditations. And so I want us to have some time this morning of confession. There's a promise in Scripture, you're maybe familiar with it, maybe to our detriment. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. If. If you come clean before God. Look at the promise. Look at it. He's faithful. He's faithful. God is faithful to do what? Forgive. Forgive your sins, even your deepest, even the hidden, all of them. He's faithful to forgive your sins. And if that's not enough, he says, I'm going to clean you up too. I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? We celebrate our cleanness because of the faithfulness of God. We're sinners, no doubt. Sin costs Jesus Christ his life. Sin is real. Sin is serious. And sin's a barrier between ourselves and God. But sin need not cause us to live with guilt and condemnation. Confession is God's answer to that. There's born in all of us a strong need to confess. I really do believe it. I believe as a born-again Christian, there's a strong need in us to confess our sin. But neediness is not only the state of the unrepentant heart, it's its glory. Because God says, I'm going to give you a gift, I'm going to allow you to be able to confess your sin, to remove all that weight. And he wants you to know he's faithful. To forgive and cleanse. And confession's the way back to God. Every healthy Christian... I really do believe hungers to confess because they take their relationship with God seriously. And since we're not perfect, we need to progressively, in a sense, continue to pursue repentance as we enter in prayer in that time of meditation and confession. It is essential. We're going to go to the communion table here, but I want you to think of confession as a mirror. It's where we stare at ourselves and we remember how far we've fallen. And when we can come to that place out of brokenness and openness, we discover that grace happens there. It's where the love of God happens, and we experience it in greater ways. We find that we're not self-efficient or all-sufficient. We find out Jesus is all-sufficient to meet us at our greatest point of need, which is to be forgiven. I'm going to have some elders come up right now and I want to allow you some time to confess in the quiet in the moments to confess before the Holy Spirit maybe to invite the Holy Spirit to search you and see if there's something there that you've stuffed down God wants you to draw near He invites you to do that and He wants to wash you so you can celebrate your cleanness in Christ and so why don't you spend some time right now, bow in the quietness of your moment, and after a few moments I have the elders pass the bread, we'll share that together, and likewise we'll do the same with the cup.
our Savior took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take this remembrance of me.
our Savior took the cup. He said, this cup is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you are faithful, that you're just. Thank you you forgive, redeem, restore, refresh. Lord Jesus, I'm exceedingly grateful that that place we think would be the most unlikely place to find freedom is the place you invite us, and that's to expose ourselves to you your searching gaze. Help us, God, to continue to remember each of us the day in and day out that grace happens when we live a life of confession. Thank you and we celebrate what it means to be clean and free in you this morning. We celebrate that. We celebrate you. It's your name we give thanks. So, what about Monday morning? What about you walk out the door here and to the gray slush? But the gray slush doesn't end. You experience it in life Wednesday. We celebrate cleanness, but how do we live Monday to Saturday? That's what I'd like to end with, just four applications. They're not rocket science, but they're so significant. Because we were built for regular, satisfying access to the refreshing presence of God in our souls. Not just once a week. And there is no peace, there is no rest apart from God. It's not in all this stuff. So how should we pray? How should we spend our Mondays to Saturdays? One, pray first. If you're a go-getter, and I like to get things done, there's a temptation to start down the road and stop and then say, oh God, bless, bless my efforts. Don't, don't do that. Pray first. I learned so much from um, some of my elder brothers in their prayer life. Just I get a chance to observe it. And that's one of the things that has really struck out and has really encouraged me and, and, and taught me just by observation is pray first. Make that your reflex. When you encounter whatever you encounter, pray first. Number two, pray sincerely. Make confession a regular part of your prayers. The authentic life, life-changing prayers at honest heart level. Come stripped of your position, of your pretense. And make confession to be a re- regular part. Pray sincerely and honestly. Pray specifically. And I would remind you, for prayer, first of all, is worship. It's about honoring God and seeking the longing of our soul, not the stuff. God's not into generalities. You cannot take time to think through your words to specify praise and prayer. Don't hold your breath. If you don't believe me, look at the Lord's Prayer, very specific. So God invites you to engage your mind. I pray for this, God. I confess this. Think through what you're praying and what you're saying. Be specific. Let the meditations flow over into your prayer. This last one, we pray corporately, we should, scriptures exhort it, but you personally pray secretly. By that I mean get alone. Get away from the noise. 
We do certainly need to pray together. But to connect with our soul's deepest longings, to get close to God, you need time alone. And solitude isn't so much about being alone as it's being alone with God. That's what solitude is. That's where joy is. That's where you'll find the peace and energy to move on. And God's promise to you and I this morning and to 2020 as we move forward here, it's when we seek Him, we will find Him. Might that seeking be a part of this next year in all of our lives? Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you you invite us close. I thank you for the call that meets our longing, that deep that calls unto deep. Might this next year in each of our lives find us deepening in our communion with you, deepening in our intimacy with you, growing in the area of meditation and confession. I pray that for each heart, each mind here this morning. What amazing that you, the living God, would call us close. We're humbled. We thank you for the promise that when we do seek you, we will find you and we will find a greater grace. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.